It's time for Making It Personal, a personalized SC podcast. Let's jump into today's episode. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the Making It Personal podcast. I'm your host, Carrie Fersner, and we are so happy and fortunate to be joined by a very special guest today. Her name is Suzanne Rogers. And so I'm going to start this episode off by just allowing Suzanne to introduce herself to us and tell us a little bit about herself and the work that she does. Hi, everybody. It's so nice to be here. My name is Suzanne. Like she said, I have been um, a teacher now for I'm thinking this is my 22nd year. It might be my 23rd. I'm not really sure. Um, It's been a while. It's been a minute since I was uh, fresh out of Clemson, starry-eyed, ready to change the world. And um, I'm looking back on it now. The world has changed before I changed it. So um, I have taught most of my years at Seneca Middle School in Oconee County, and I was a sixth grade teacher for most of that, a couple times seventh grade teacher, um, and then six years ago, I saw a, a notification from our district looking for teachers that wanted to reboot the alternative school program for our district, and um, I was one of those kids, and I really liked those kids, and so I thought, well, I might be kind of good at that, and just on a whim, I decided to apply, and when I interviewed, I liked what they had to say about the program. They were revamping the whole thing and wanting to do new stuff and really seemed to have a more positive attitude about alternative education, and so I said, well, shoot, I'll go for this, and it basically restarted my whole career all over again for me. I had to learn so many new things, and I can't can't tell you how much I love it. It has changed me not only as a teacher, but as a person. And um, so I'm very happily ensconced in my alternative education teaching at Oconee Academy. And I teach the middle school and the high school English. So I'm the only English teacher here, which means I get everybody. And um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. And I look forward to, you know, many more years, hopefully working with this program. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here once again. We'll go ahead and jump into the conversation. So the first question I kind of want to ask, and and I'll preface this by saying that um, for those who are listening and just tuning in, our office was very fortunate to get a chance to have a conversation with Oconee Academy which is an alternative program. And um, we just heard so many different ways that they're approaching student-centered learning. Yes. And since on this podcast, we're all about personalizing student learning. My first question is, could you tell us a little bit about your journey towards personalizing student learning? Yes, ma'am. Were you always that type of teacher? Um, Did you have an epiphany? Like, tell us, kind of give us some details on where you started and how you got to where you are now. Girl, Necessity is the mother of invention. And I got over here and all of a sudden I had a rolling enrollment. So Mm -hmm. with our program, it is not designed for students to graduate from here. So I can get a student at any time and the student can transition back to their home school, usually within a 45 day um, transition period, they get evaluated for it. 
So I had kids coming in and out on all different levels. I, you know, our schedule was one in that I had all of the middle school grades together in one class. And so to be honest, my first year was just trying to figure out what in the world I was doing on a daily basis. And so once I got that kind of under control, then I really saw the benefits of, you know, tailoring a program so that I could meet as many students needs as possible. So with personalized learning, that has been a big focus for us the past three years. And we're really starting to reap the benefits so that when the students come to us, the very first day they come to us, they're able to get right to work. They work all the way up until when they leave us. And so they don't lose that momentum that we have. So before that, um, I was just typically trained, you know, at teacher, do the lesson, you know, make sure everybody's on the same page and so on and so forth. And, you know, that seemed to work in 1998. <laughs> Let me take you way back. Um, <laughs> but with the way that things are now, I, every year I see more and more evidence of why we need personalized learning. And one of the things that I've noticed with my students is they only know a world where personalization and customization is really emphasized. You know, when they get on their games, they get to choose their avatars, their weapons, their costumes, they're all these different things, their Instagram feeds, so many customization opportunities everything and even you know i have a pinterest board that i feel like knows me because it recommends things and i'm like how do you know right and so we have kids that feel like the world has personally invested in them and so i think that they kind of just expect that when they come into their classrooms and so i'm trying to keep up i'm trying to make sure that i'm not that teacher that's being left behind and personalized learning has helped me just as much as a teacher as I believe that it's helped my students. So I'm very lucky in this program in that I have a faculty and staff that really values a growth mindset. They value failing forward. Um, my principal, she's amazing because I'll go to her and say, can I try this? And she'll say, go ahead and give it a try. And there's not that you know, there's not a risk for me. I know that she values that and that she appreciates that I try things. And so with that kind of mindset, I've really been able to experiment a lot with personalized learning. And it means so much to hear that, that you were impressed with what we had to say because we worked so hard on it. And it really is worthwhile. And I'm so happy to be someone that can be a spokesperson for personalized learning in the classroom. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what exactly was your entry point? I think sometimes when, when we're talking to teachers and administrators and, you know, those who are just getting into the work or kind of viewing from the outside, trying to figure out how they can make mm -hmm. it happen in their context, mm -hmm. sometimes it can seem very daunting. Oh, absolutely. So how did you get started? Well, I got to give a shout out to my colleague, Andrea Moss, who is a very linear thinker. She's our math teacher here. And she and I have worked together most of my career. And, you know, I'm the creative ELA teacher. She's the concrete math teacher. And, um, you know, we were talking one day about the best way for us to do stuff. And she said, well, I'm going to start doing a card system with my kids. Okay. 
I said, girl, tell me all about this car system so I can steal it from you. And I did. I stole it from her. And she is very aware of this. And, um, and basically what she did was she started giving the kids an index card. And on the index card is what she wanted them to work on for that day. And it started off that simply. Then I started um, moving from the index cards. Then we started putting the index cards in journals so the kids could start keeping them. Then we started having the kids add goals to the journals with the index cards. So everything started with index cards, very simple, you know, easy to get supply. And then it moved on. And then for the um, quarantine, you know, when we got quarantined in March, I know for a lot of teachers like myself, it was very strange to just kind of come to a halt with the type of teaching that we were doing. You know, we were always face to face and everything. So I had to jump into that Google classroom and get it on point. Mm. And once I realized that there are so many good tutorials on how to get your Google classroom looking good, looking tight, professional, how to get those topics together, what to do with them. I started to get really energized and I would sit and just watch YouTube videos. How do I make this more accessible to the kids? How do I, you know, change the font in Google Classroom so that things can be bigger for them to see? And the more I looked, the more I realized there's so many resources out there. Mm. So the entry point was just trying to figure out how to have seventh and eighth grade students in one classroom working on different standards all at the same time with me. Mm -hmm. And it started off with the index cards and then just moved on from there. I mean, it sounds so simple, but it took having someone to bounce off ideas off of too. I'm not sure that I would be where I am right now if I didn't have the colleagues that I have to go to and say, this is my idea. How can, how can I break this down? And being able to work with someone takes a lot of that pressure off. Yes. Makes it a little more exciting. That's right. And, you know, I think that's why I've been able to move a lot faster than I normally would. So I'm going to give a lot of credit to Miss Moss, a little bit of credit to index cards. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, I think um, in this work, having a community is so important because I know for me, um, I was very much so a singleton in my school trying to do this work. And so when I was able to find out that there was an Office of Personalized Learning and they were having convenings and cohorts, that was a great way for me to find community with people who I could have conversation with. And like you said, kind of bounce ideas off. And mm -hmm. that's how you're really fueled to continue um, going in whatever it is that you're doing. It makes a big difference. Yes. Yes, it does. So if I was a beginner student in your class, let's say I'm a seventh grade student, what would my workflow be for me as a student in your class? So I would have a conversation with you. The first day is all about like, girl, where are you in your English classroom? What does it feel like? You know, what do you like? What do you not like? Mm -hmm. And, you know, go ahead and get all, all those feelings. If you got to tell me how much you hate ELA, let's go ahead and get it all out on the table now. Okay. And then I'm going to show you my Google Classroom mm -hmm. and say, here are all the topics that we need to get done for you to get credit for this class. Okay. But I'm going to let you work through it at your pace. We're going to keep this little list together, you and me. Mm -hmm. And we're going to review it all the time. So every time you get something done in your Google Classroom, we're going to revisit 
our little page here in my notebook and we're going to talk about are you okay with this grade is this the grade you're looking for what can we do to get you the grade that you're looking for and then we're just going to you know go with that so the students come in every day we review their record sheet what do you need to do next they jump on that at the end of class. What did you get complete? Let's look over what you did and then they move on. But there are certain days that, you know, they're like, oh, Miss Rogers, I just, I just can't stare at this computer anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe it's a headache. You know, it could be they're, they're not feeling well. And sometimes kids get tired of the computer. Well, let's go dig over here in this file box, honey. Let's see if there's something else that you can do. Mm. And I am a big fan of choices in the classroom mm. because our from our very first year, we're trained in the love and logic um, style of classroom management. Okay. And one of the big things is you give a choice. Okay. Mm. You, the first choice you give, give them the one that you know that they don't want to take because they're going to say, no to that first choice. That's just what they're going to do. No, I don't want to do that. Okay, well, or you can do this. What would you like to do? Mm -hmm. And now I've gotten so good at it that, honey, I'm giving them choices before they even walk in. Okay, okay. do you want to read chapter two of this book today or do you want to read it tomorrow and work on your IXL today? Well, then they're so short circuited trying to figure out, well, <laughs> you know, and then all of a sudden they're doing it. I know it sounds tricky, but it's what I would have loved as yeah. a student. Like I like options. I like to have options. And so it's, it's a way for me to show them overall, this is everything that you need to get done for say this nine weeks. Mm -hmm. Okay. But let's pick at it. Let's jump around. Let's see where you need to go today. And I have gotten a lot of success with that. And one of my favorite things is when my high school students, you know, they different than middle school students. I found that out very quickly. I was nervous when I found out I was teaching high school. I don't oh, know if wow. I can do it. But they are amazing. They know they know they have to make an, a smart score of an 80 on their IXL. This is what they'll do. Okay, Miss Rogers, I got a 70 on that smart score. What can I do to not have to get the 80? And so we'll look at their sheet. Okay. Say, okay, well, you can do a choice board item you know that's always up got a little choice board up in the room ready for them to go yeah um, you know i don't know about that and i'm like well let's look at the topic you know maybe it's main idea and to find the main idea of something i'll say okay well i'll read to you a little selection and you tell me the main idea of it okay well i like that idea and then we move forward wow so it's really kind of cool because i've gotten to know my students kind of quirks yeah. And when they come up to me with the, now Miss Rogers, I know it's about to be a negotiation, <laughs> but it tickles me because they're not just saying, I don't want to do it. Mm -hmm. They're not just saying I give up. They know if they come to me that I'm going to give them options. And I sent you a journal card where a student was specifically asking me something. Yes. So for our listeners, they expressed to her that prepositions were having them yes. stressed and was there anything they could do besides that? I think I said something like, yes, let's talk about this when we see each other yeah. again. So I didn't have to even come up with it right then. You know, we feel under pressure as teachers so much, but I think a lot of that is pressure we're putting on mm. ourselves, you know? And so my student, he was fine with giving me the time to think to myself, go to some other teachers, and say, hey, you know, can you help me figure out something that'll help Matthew get through these prepositions or so on? And it makes me feel good as a teacher because that that open line of communication is there. It also shows me that they're communicating well 
Yeah. And that they're advocating for themselves. Mm -hmm. So he didn't just write, I hate prepositions and close his journal. Right. He took that extra step that I want all of my students to take, you know, ask what can be done next. We always have to move forward. Mm -hmm. And that's what personalized learning looks like to them. They're always moving forward and they never feel like they're just stuck either learning something that they've already learned, you know, a hundred times before, or that they're stuck learning something that they're too, you know, I mean, kids, they're so worried about raising their hand and looking silly. Yeah. I cannot get them to stop worrying about that. Yeah. But with personalized learning, everybody's working on different things. Mm -hmm. So nobody really knows who's stuck or who's stuck where right. or whatever, unless they decide to give that information and that's up to them. Right. So, yeah, I mean, the, the fact that I'm able to give options that increase my bond with my students, mm -hmm. I mean, that's just, that's icing on the cake for me. Right. What have your students' reaction to this type of learning environment been? And how do you think that would have been different had you taken a more traditional one-size-fits-all approach to your classroom? Well, the last thing I want my kids to have is idle time, hmm. okay? Because my kids will fill that idle time with some foolishness, <laughs> so fast, shenanigans. Oh, honey. So I front-loaded them with, I'm trying to put together a program that's not going to waste your time or mine. Mm -hmm. And I think they appreciated that. Now, I'm also very lucky in that... Um, I am far from a perfect teacher. I never try to be. I'm a hot mess express. The kids all know this. And so I told them straight up I needed their help with putting this together. Mm. So whenever I try to do something new or try to add something, I'll ask them to help me see. And I call them those kids. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm like, so where would the problems come with those kids? And they'll tell me straight up, you know, oh no, Miss Rogers, that's not going to work like this because something's going to happen. Yeah. So I think that they've really enjoyed being part of the process mm -hmm. and being involved in the feedback. Okay. And I take their suggestions because personalized learning, you know, what works for me is clearly not going to work for all of my students. So I need their constant feedback. And I think that they do appreciate um, not wasting their time, mm -hmm. um, not being, you know, either talked down to or talked over the head of. Mm -hmm. um, they like being able to meet in the middle. They like being able to make their own decisions. Mm -hmm. You know, I've talked with them about that. And what they really enjoy, and it's so funny to see even my high school students do this, you know, that, that feedback journal where they keep track of all their work and then there's a place for student feedback and then there's a place for teacher feedback. Mm -hmm. You know, I always tell them, I'm going to write something in your journal. And on Monday mornings, they run for their journals to see what I wrote them. Wow. And I'm like, okay, so they like that. That's something I will never leave out of my personalized learning. Mm -hmm. So me watching them and seeing where they, where they get frustrated. Mm -hmm. So for instance, my students have not built up a tolerance for sustained work when they first get to me. Okay. You know, within 10 minutes, they're ready to quit. Mm -hmm. Well, okay. I've instituted brain breaks. You get two, three minute brain breaks during the day. You can get on YouTube, whatever, mm -hmm. you know, but it can't be more than three minutes and you can't get more than two, but take them whenever you want them. 
Mm -hmm. I'm not going to micromanage when you take them. You can take them at the beginning, at the end, in the middle, whatever. Mm -hmm. So then that released a little bit of pressure for them. And that really worked. And now I don't see them even really taking brain breaks. And then the last five minutes of class, I call decompression time. Mm -hmm. And decompression time is when they bring me, we have behavior sheets that we have to fill out. You know, I always want to make sure they know why I'm taking points or if I am. And I'll tell the kids during decompression time, that's when you can stop your work. Well, I, nothing makes me happier than to see a kid still working during decompression time because they want to get that topic done mm. because they want me to put it in my notebook and highlight it. Okay. You know, it's like putting a sticker on yeah. something. So anything that I see that they really respond to or that gets a smile on their face, um, you know, my students historically are not the type to gush about how much they love a lesson or love me or love my class. Mm. But if I get that impression at all, I latch onto it and say that I'm keeping that, right. that, that state. And if there's something that I've done that has frustrated them, then I'm going to have to fix that. But it's me relinquishing some of my control. As a matter of fact, a lot of my control, mm -hmm. very shakily handing it to them <laughs> saying, here you go. <laughs> and it's, it's been amazing. It's, yeah. it's, it takes a lot of courage. And for teachers out there that are totally overwhelmed with the thought of personalized learning, I get it mm -hmm. because you think that it's going to be this like free for all. It's going to be this chaos and everything. Not necessarily. Mm -hmm. My big hint is to make them involved at the very beginning with the process. This is our classroom this is what I'm thinking. What do you think? Mm -hmm. I don't take all their suggestions. You know, some things are non-negotiable. They understand that, but that ownership has made a big difference. I think with how much I've been able to use it this year. Mm -hmm. I think I got way off topic. I'm, I'm loving it. I'm loving it. Okay. And I was going to talk about the student journal after this recording, we can hyperlink a link to this journal or something similar so that our listeners mm -hmm. can take a look. But absolutely, what you're saying is that if you're starting, you can start mm -hmm. small, right? Absolutely. And I love these student journals. I'm looking at it now. I see at the top, there's like, you know, a place for them to put the week that mm -hmm. it is. And then they have to set a goal for the week. Mm -hmm. And then there's a section um, Monday through Friday where they write down what they've worked on, what they've completed, and then that message um, that they write. And then I'm assuming at the bottom, that's where you write them back. Yes. Um, yes. Talk, talk to me a little bit about this goal setting portion. Do your students, when you give this to them at first, do they automatically just come in and start making some really good goals no. or how do you kind of like <laughs> scaffold them up to that? <laughs> no, their goals are so funny when they first come in. So I tell them that they need to make a goal that's, um, Usually I look for either an attendance goal, a behavior goal, or a grade goal, because those are our three areas that we evaluate before they're able to transition. So some students that have truancy issues, I, I'm going to try to come to school each week, mm -hmm. um, or I'm going to try to stay out of ISS, mm -hmm. or it's a behavior goal. I want to get all threes on my behavior sheet. Mm -hmm. um, I don't want to have to be called down in class. Now, sometimes, you know, when they're mad, because they get mad, they'll just try, I want to get out of this place. Well, good. That's a good goal, baby. We're going to work on that. Yeah. And I tell them that my feedback, um, I will let them know if I feel like they met their goal or not. So it's, it's not just a goal thrown out there, you know, that's never referenced again. 
Um, I usually will let them know, oh, you know, maybe we need to try this goal again or mm -hmm. did a really good job of meeting your goal because um, goal setting is a, is a big priority uh, with our program and with our school. And they've started putting things like finish one topic today or get done with my, you know, number two or, you know, in Google Classroom. And that's when I know that personalized learning is really humming. You know, when their goal is specific like that, mm -hmm. it's like, I mean, I've just got, I've just got chills, you know, but I mean, I'll take any goal as long as I feel like it's something that they have to work for yeah. and um, that is going to benefit them in the long run. But yeah, the goal setting is, you know, the, the very first day that they come, we work on it together. Okay. You know, I mean, I'll say, well, I'll say, well what do you think about this goal? Or what do you think yeah. about that goal? And then they kind of, you know, start doing it on their own once they get into the practice. And that's the thing with personalized learning is at first it does feel like a mess. It makes mm -hmm. you feel like you're having to explain things over again, over and over again. Hence the screencasts, which right. will save your voice. But if you stick to it, if your fidelity to your model is consistent, they learn very quickly. And they move in and out, you know, my classroom now, and they know when to go write their name on the board when they finish something. And, and I would say it probably took about a good three to four weeks. Mm -hmm. I started humming like a beehive in here, but it'll eventually awesome. get there. So you just got to stick with it um, and, and just be good natured and good humored about it and say, oh, well, I thought this was going to be great. And it was an epic fail. The kids will laugh, you know, they'll appreciate your humor about it and then say, well, what do you think I should do to change it? And they'll tell you, honey, I'll tell you in a heartbeat or my students will anyway. I love it. I <laughs> love it. Well, we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. We are back with Miss Suzanne um, on our Making It Personal podcast, and it's time for our very special segment that we like to call Making It or Breaking It. Uh -oh. So, Suzanne, okay. you're going to have to give us a make or a break. So, a make would be um, a cool story or something that you've seen personally or um, outside in the world of personalized learning that you kind of want to share or showcase. A break could be a concern, a barrier, a struggle that you've encountered and how you overcame that in your personalized learning journey. So which will it be, make or break? Let me see, because I have something for both. Okay. So we had a tragedy here at our school um, a couple of weeks ago, and we had a um, death in our student body. Hmm. And, you know, things like that, um, you know, that they, they'll really take it out of you. You know, I mean, it, it screeches the whole day to a halt. And so, you know, we spent the morning as a family, you know, talking about things, but eventually got to move on to class. Mm -hmm. And so I had some students in here that had just gotten here. And so they weren't really sure, you know, of what was going on or who the kid was. Mm -hmm. I had some students that didn't really want to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And so I was able, because of my classroom, I was able to say, okay, if you need your personalized learning today, if you just need to dive into some work mm -hmm. to help you get through this day, that's available to you. Mm -hmm. If not, I'm available to talk as well. Mm -hmm. And I had about half and half of the class. And it was so cool because the kids, 
that didn't need it, you know, I mean, they just jumped right into their classroom and they started doing their work and everything. I didn't have to monitor everything that they did. The students that were really struggling that day, I was able to sit and have that conversation with them. And so it freed me up in a way that without that situation, I don't know if I would have seen the beauty of that moment. Mm -hmm. And so personalized learning saved me because I was devastated that day. Mm -hmm. You know, I needed to sit and talk with some of my students and, but I also had to teach. Yeah. So I was able to do both because I had front loaded Mm -hmm. and the kids already knew what to do. Mm -hmm. And so it, it really ended up being a very beneficial day for everybody involved. And I felt like everybody got what they needed. Yeah. And that's all I ever want as a teacher. Mm-hmm. You know, I want all my kids to get what they need. I know that that's not always going to happen, but with personalized learning, I'm going to get as close as I ever have. Okay. I love you know that. I mean, like, yeah. I don't feel like I'm going to get there, but I will get real close mm-hmm. with personalized learning. Yeah. And And before we move any further, I just want to extend my condolences and also thank you for sharing that story with us. Um, And another thing I wanted to shout Oconee Academy um, out for is just the culture that you all exude just from our interactions with you all is so rich. Yes. And I think that sometimes, you know, it's very easy to jump into the strategies and the tools and the Mm -hmm. tricks and the this and the that. Mm -hmm. But unless you have that underlining culture, Mm -hmm. it's hard to get anything done. And I know that when we do begin transitioning back to somewhat of a normalcy, there is going to be a huge focus on social emotional learning. Mm -hmm. And how do we cultivate, you know, students, not just academically, but also in those other areas as well that they'll need. Yeah, it was, I mean, we're still dealing with the after effects because like I said, it's only been a couple of weeks, but you know, that was just one of the, one of the silver linings that came out of it was I was able to leave that day feeling like I had done the best job that I could as a teacher for their social, um, social and emotional, as well as their academic day. Right. And I don't know if I had experienced that feeling of completeness up until that point. Mm. And, you know, our, our principal here is very big on the student bond okay. and student teacher bond and students with happy teachers are happier students. Mm. So when I was struggling, when I was in school, mm-hmm. there was one teacher that I had in high school that every time I walked into her classroom, I felt like I could breathe. Wow. I felt like, okay, this, I, I, I'm good here. And that made such a difference for me. And so when I became a teacher, I said, I need to be that. I need to be that classroom where the kid walks in mm-hmm. and they don't have to feel stress from me. You know, they're coming in with stress, but I'm not going to add to that stress. Mm-hmm. And so I want to be smiling. I want to be happy to see them. I want to laugh and enjoy my class. And if I'm constantly trying to shove things into my curriculum and into my teaching practices that I don't enjoy, I'm afraid I'm going to become sour. Mm -hmm. And so I've never done that. And I think that's why I'm not burnt out even at 23 years or whatever. I'm still ready to go. And it really is because I prioritize my enjoyment of my classroom as well. Mm -hmm. So I do think that teachers need to realize it's not being selfish. You know, we, we want to give so much to our students, but we can give a little bit to ourselves right. too. 
And so, yeah, I mean, make sure that your personalized learning includes the things that you love about teaching. I'm just so glad that we were able to spend this time together, that you were able to take a little time out to chat with us. Girl, I am so honored. I've been telling everybody on my, my podcast interviews today. <laughs> so thank you for that opportunity. Yes. So if there's anybody listening who would like to reach out to you or get in touch with you to maybe bounce some ideas off or hear more about your journey, how can they reach you? Well, first of all, I am here for all of that. Okay. Okay. So you may contact me at srogers at sdoc.org anytime. I'm, I'll just be waiting breathlessly by the inbox. No, I'm just kidding. But no, I'm, I'm very excited to talk to any teacher that would like to, um, you know, discuss personalized learning or even alternative education, love and logic, any of that new stuff that I've learned. Um, we also have a podcast with yes. um, our students. It is called Those wow. Kids Podcast. And I mean, we give them their voice and they they let us know exactly what they're thinking about different topics. And I'm super proud of it. So that can be found on iTunes and Spotify and uh, Buzzsprout and all of that good stuff. And um, Oconee Academy in Seneca, South Carolina. Come visit, you know, okay. and put on that mask. We'll buzz you in and uh, let us show off what we've got going on. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We'll be right back to close things out. Thanks again for tuning in to today's episode of Making It Personal. Be sure to connect with the Office of Personalized Learning on social media. Tweet us at Personalize SC and follow us on Instagram at SC Personalize. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe, share with a friend, and tune in for a brand new episode every month. We'll catch you next time on Making It Personal. See ya!